Today's podcast is brought to you in part by Crypto.com. Join 10 million plus users buying and selling 90 cryptocurrencies at true cost on the world's fastest growing crypto app, Crypto.com. Grow your portfolio by receiving rewards on your crypto assets. Plus, spend the Crypto.com Visa card and get up to 8% back. Find out more and support this podcast by going to autoconverse.com forward slash crypto, C-R-Y-P-T-O, and get $25 in CRO added to your account when you enter our promo code upon sign up and make the initial required deposit. That's www.autoconverse.com forward slash crypto to get our promo code and receive $25 in free CRO when you open a new account with our promo code. And thank you. We are constantly having to ask ourselves, well, what is coming down the pike? How can we stay ahead of this curve? Because everything is just moving so quickly. And I still feel like we're just trying to put so much money and effort into something that it just is no more. It seems to me where the government's been most effective is when they're funding or sponsoring technical development that the private sector either doesn't have the appetite for or the resources for it yet. Uh, there is um, an increase in funding for what they call the low or no uh, funding, which is low emission or no emission for buses. Um, and so, you know, the big trend, one of the hot trends uh, coming out of last year into this year is electric buses. You know, I just think back to all the electric trolleys that used to run the cities. I went to school in Philadelphia. I, I've been at San Francisco numerous times. And here we are, how many years later, and we're trying to get electric buses uh, and other types of transportation back into these cities. One of the big benefits of autonomous vehicles, they are safer in the long run. They're much safer and they don't because they talk to each other and they identify the hazards and autonomous buses are the same way. The next train is likely a, a daisy chain of cars. Right. Uh, and the railroad tracks are the road. And, and at right. that point, you know, Alex, the earlier question, that's when the efficiency of the trains come back is when they're no longer trains but cars it's a train of cars yeah it's a train of buses actually yeah exactly and you just hook on the number of buses demand has at that given moment right they just sync up those were some of the highlights from our conversation last november on our live show about the bipartisan infrastructure bill that was signed by president biden late last year if you listen closely enough, you can get a sense of our panelists' sentiments about electrification and government funding versus private sector funding. It was a good conversation, and we've already played portions of it in previous episodes, and we're going to play some more of those highlights later in this episode. In fact, we're taking a different approach today with our annual Look Back, Look Up, and Look Ahead theme. So stay tuned. From Autoburst Media, this is Autoconverse. Hey, we got a good show lined up for you today. Oh, well, I'm a Game of Thrones nut, so that's, that's, that's my jam. The robots are listening. The robots are listening. All right, and welcome to this episode of the Autoconverse podcast, where we explore people, ideas, and technologies that influence how we are connected and the way we get around. I'm Ryan Girardi. It's great to be here with you, as always. Happy New Year to you. So this is our first episode of 2022. Yay. Now, one thing that I like to do every year is something I picked up from a longtime friend. It's called a look back, look up, and look ahead. And as implied, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take a look back at some things. We're going to look up, however you want to define that, and we're going to take a look ahead 
at some things. So that's going to be our theme for today's episode. For the look back segment, I first have a series of clips beginning with this one from February 11th, 2020, where a group of us on the show were talking about the coronavirus as we prepared to meet in Las Vegas only days later. Now, keep in mind while listening, this was only weeks before the pandemic really got official, and none of us really had a clue what was about to transpire across the globe, let alone what we were headed into that weekend in Vegas. Have a listen. Okay, final thought, and then this is a little bit serious. I didn't mean to say it's funny. It's a little serious, but I had a, a call today, and NADA came up in the conversation, and the uh, person I was talking to said their company uh, bailed out on NADA, uh, forced them to hold off because of the coronavirus. And it hadn't occurred to me, but they they had they basically had to pull out. The company didn't want any of their employees going to Vegas because there's such a large, you know. Uh, tourism spot uh for for the asian for you know for the asian um uh i guess countries and as i thought about that i'm like i didn't think about that right i didn't think about it either now you got me thinking about it i know (laughs) yeah how many cases of coronavirus are are in las vegas right now well and here's the thing let alone the u.s at i think 11 is 13 but here's the thing hold on i I got you got to think about this if there were issues of coronavirus in Vegas, I believe that the Vegas government would do everything they can to not let that out. They would not want that to be known. All I'm saying is for all the people who have made fun of me for my germophobia, <laughs> my wiping down of my armrests and my seat on the airplane, traveling with um, Lysol and wrapping up my remote control at the ice bucket bag. <laughs> Here we go. See, good, there's good. reasons for who's, it. Who's going to have the, uh, the the mouth cover uh, tchotchkes? Yes. Yeah. Surgical mask. I've always frowned upon it, but I don't know. Th- and this came up today. It's got me thinking. I'm like, do we need to take precautions? Way to be a buzzkill, Ryan. I know. <laughs> I was boarding a plane last Tuesday, and there was a gentleman sitting next to an open seat, and he had a mask on. And he noticed me looking at him and he pulled his mask on and he goes, no, no, I'm not sick. I'm just not wanting to get sick. I promise you, I'm not sick. So you can sit here. I was just really paranoid. Yeah. Well, something to think about. I felt it was important enough to bring on it. And Thanks, uh, Brian. it definitely got me thinking. Don't shake hands. Just pop elbows. You'll right? be fine. Do bro yeah. hugs. Now, this clip is from the show exactly one year later on February 10th of 2021. And you're going to hear Joe Webb with his opening comments about the Super Bowl ads. To give you a little context, every year, as you might know, we do, uh, we dedicate the show to analyze and review the mobility tech and connectivity ads on the Super Bowl. And so when we kicked off that episode, which, as I said, was February 10th, though basically right after the Super Bowl, Joe was one of two panelists that day, along with Robin Shanley. I mean... I will say I think the Super Bowl was uh, less exciting than it typically is. I know they had 91.6 million viewers of the Super Bowl this this year, which is the it's a nine percent drop from last season, and it is uh, the lowest it's been since 2006. So you wonder how advertisers are happy with the money spent, knowing that nothing really has gone viral, you know, so to speak. Nothing was really being talked about the next day. I've asked 
even some of my dealers, what they thought about Super Bowl commercials for the last couple of days. And they're like, eh, I don't really remember. A lot of people didn't even watch it. And others are like, yeah, I don't really remember. There was a couple of good ones. And I said, which ones? I can't remember. So I don't know right. if how five and a half, five point five, <laughs> $5.6 million for a 30-second spot is best well spent. But inevitably, uh, you know, people love awareness. And, uh, and I guess what I will say is, is really dreading going into the Super Bowl uh, that we were going to be beat over the head with the typical, like, doom and gloom, we're all in this together, there's a pandemic, we're with you, you're with us, you're like us. And I was really glad that they, some of them, still tried to get away from that. Okay, for the look up segment, what I'm going to do is play highlights from the two separate interviews from our live show in late November, where we had Paul Comfort, Eric Brown, and Alexander Thole. Uh, you'll recall that Paul is, comes from the public transit industry, and we had him on to talk about the public transit benefits of the new bipartisan infrastructure bill. And I encourage you to go back and check out that show because there is a lot of great commentary and I've been playing pieces of it. If you want to feel, hear the whole conversation uh, in one, you really got to go back to the show. Now, I'm going to play first my interview with Alexander Thole. He is the co-founder and owner of Dive Design and they make pet prosthetics for mobility. So if you have a pet who is missing a, you know, a leg or ha- you know, needs a prosthetic, that's what his company does and they do it through 3D printing. So really fascinating subject there. After that, I'll have Eric Brown on. Uh, Eric is the purveyor of Ask Auto, who you hear uh, here on the podcast. And Eric's going to talk with us about how Ask Auto helps reward you for auto shopping. So pretty cool conversation there. But before we do that, how about we get into some headlines? Facebook is shutting down its facial recognition system, uh, which automatically identifies users in photos and videos, and they're shutting it down, citing uh, concerns, societal concerns about the use of such technology. If I were to add my commentary, I would say, be rest assured, they're still recognizing your face in photos and videos. They're probably just not crowdsourcing it and and letting people tag you uh, automatically. In other news, Verizon and Nissan have completed a proof of concept showing how sensor data and vehicles uh, surrounding infrastructure could be processed at the edge edge of Verizon's wireless network to help guide drivers in near real time. So what is the edge? Well, it's, it's technically the multi-access edge layer, computing layer, within the 5G. And what that edge does is it allows massive amounts of more information to be processed much more efficiently. EV charging solution provider EV Connect is now one of GM's approved partners for uh, uh, charging solutions at dealerships. And so far, more than 600 dealerships have already signed up to leverage EV Connect's charging solution uh, to help automakers uh, with their call for electrification. The state of Tennessee has approved an $884 million incentive for Ford to build a Blue Oval City project in the Memphis region uh, on their regional mega site. Eco Car Challenge 
They're accepting applications. It's mostly targeted for uh, universities with ABET accredited engineering programs. Teams will have four years to design and engineer a next generation battery electric vehicle that utilizes automation and vehicle to everything connectivity to implement energy efficient and customer appealing features. Teams will follow a real-world vehicle development process to meet rigorous technical milestones throughout the program and compete head-to-head with other teams in annual competition trials. And then the final uh, competition will culminate in the summer of 2026. So pretty cool. And uh, hopefully... Hey, Dad, are you still looking for a car? Did you know that when you click on car ads, dealers pay for every click? But shouldn't you get paid? After all, you're the one clicking. That's why I use Ask Auto. With Ask Auto, you build rewards as you shop. Plus, Ask Auto recommends exclusive offers based on your needs. You can ask questions on cars you like and still protect your personal information. You can even set your price. Who knew car shopping could be so easy and rewarding? Ask Auto. Fast, fun, and rewarding car shopping. Okay, guys, what I'd like to do is I'm going to transition over. Uh, to bring on Alexander Thole. He is the founder of Dive Design, which specializes in uh, pet prosthetics. In fact, I have a press release right here uh, speaking to that. And you can see uh, what we're going to be talking about today is their development of this, I don't know if you call it a pet wagon. I'll have to ask Alex what we call him. So Alex, if you're ready, let's go ahead and bring you up here. And bada boom. Hey, man, welcome to the Mobility Tech and Connectivity Show. Ryan, thanks for having me. And great to finally formally meet you face to face. Likewise. Alex and I crossed paths in in the Clubhouse app. If you're familiar with Clubhouse, it's a drop-in audio app that we uh, both frequent. And that's how we crossed paths. And I said, man, I've never covered pet prosthetics on my on my mobility show. So it's great to have you here. Hey, where are you dialed in from? I should, uh, I, I, sh- I should let the audience know. Well, thanks for having me, Ryan. We're based out of uh, Northern New Jersey and I like pet wagon, by the way, I think we're going to stick with that. Pet wagon. Okay. Did I make that up? <laughs> Just yeah, inadvertently? You did. <laughs> awesome. What is there a technical formal name for him? Um, wheelchair, believe it or not, is what, uh, I think a majority of, of our clients use. Okay. All right. Look, I'm in uncharted territory, industrial <laughs> design. I think all I know about is what you shared probably, what, two months ago yeah. on that clubhouse meeting. Um, so why don't you just maybe enlighten us, just tell us briefly, you know, in a minute or so, what, what about dive design? All I know is you do industrial design. Are you specific to pet prosthetics or is that just happens to be one, you know, one market you're covering? Yeah, we could definitely get into it. Um, my partner and I founded Dive Design about two and a half years ago. Uh, in fact, it was a little bit longer while we were in college. Um, we had both done a lot of freelance work and decided that we'd be better off working together than separate. Um, and it's been an incredible ride. Uh, we started off, like you'd mentioned, doing traditional product design development. So we would help our clients uh further their ideas and bring them to fruition through multiple rounds of prototyping, uh, focus groups, and then helping them get ready for DFM, which is designed for manufacturing. Uh, one of the things that we really became ingrained with over the course of that that time, uh, over the last, I'd say, year and a half, two years, is additive manufacturing, so 3D printing. Um, and we just became, I don't want to say experts, but we became extremely knowledgeable in the space um, with all the different types that are out there currently what's making a lot of headway and what's not. 
Um, and so when we met up with the founder of Bionic Pets uh, about two years ago and expressed to him that we'd love to try and solve one of his challenging problems, he presented the full and prosthetic to us. Uh, and so dogs who have gone through a traumatic injury, um, whether it, it had been an accident or uh, cancer and had some type of limb removed, um, we would help them. And we designed a custom digital tool along with 3D scanning and 3D printing to bring this to life. And so now we do about 20 of these a month. And we do special cases like this, uh, one of which uh, you're looking at right now is with a company called Brascom. They're a Brazilian chemical company, and they've come out with this incredible uh, copolycarbon fiber that we 3D print with. Uh, and it was a perfect UK use case for this dog, Hannah, which we're looking at, who has cerebellar hypoplasia. So she's got no balance whatsoever. Um, this is a small part of our company. It's only about 15%, uh, but it's something that we use to really highlight what's capable with additive. Um, you know, we talk about mobility on this show, and I think there's still so much to be learned uh, about mobility along with additive. It's just an emerging technology that I think has yet to truly been harnessed, if you will. And so we really want to be on the forefront of showing companies how they can harness uh, additive manufacturing to skip going overseas, the wait time, lead time, minimum order quantities, and so on. You do 3D printing, which, you know, when we think of printing, right, where our minds think of printing onto paper, but these are actual mechanical devices. Why are we using the term printing? Is that, is that fair to the technology? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I, have, I haven't heard that one in a long time. Why do they call it printing? I think because when it first came out, they referenced it so closely to paper printing. You would click print on your computer and this machine would start to finish what you had created, whether it was on a piece of paper or whether it was using plastic filament. So I think that's really where it came from. Is it doing it justice? No, but it's so widely known. I mean, people who have never even seen the industry at least have heard of a 3D printer. Uh, so it clicks and it's stuck, I think. so. Yeah, I mean, I've seen... I've seen 3D printing in action years ago and it was kind of new, right? But never, and I just thought, oh, cool, you can make a 3D model. But now it's like, you can make guns. Oh, and you can make <laughs> pet prosthetics. So <laughs> like, you know, so you're actually making, you're just, you're making true objects. It's just that the, the actual application of making them might be different from a warehouse. That's the difference. Absolutely. And we're getting into automotive, um, believe it or not, which is really incredible. So thinking through how we can quickly prototype um, full-scale products to to go on, whether it's a fender flare uh, or it's an interior component. Um, there's some really famous aftermarket automotive companies that use this to then do carbon fiber layovers to create their final models. Um, so it, it is becoming so popular. I, I think, like I said, we're just we're just touching the surface here with potential, um, and, and we're pretty excited. No, I mean you're you're in a in a you know, just a, a exploding space. I mean, my thought is, are there limitations to what you can print? Like, can you print tires for cars? Because I think you could do bumpers, but could you do tires? <laughs> we print the wheels for the prosthetics right now. I think that's as far as we go. Um, tires yeah. for cars. I, I can tell you that we're not far off from it. Um, the machines are there. The materials are close. It's just a matter of how do you combine the uh, metal banding inside of the tires with the 3D print. But we are not far. And we're talking about even creating uh, molds now from these 3D printed pieces. Um, something that once took, let's say, 15 hours to print can now take 
an hour, depending upon the process that you're using. Um, I'll give you another example too. We're working with uh, an industrial valve company and it has become increasingly, increasingly difficult for them to get their, their die cast valves made overseas. They are unbelievably expensive. Their profit margins have dropped significantly. And so we had found this opportunity. We had met with uh, the CEO and we had come in and said, you can 3D print this. You're running a non-abrasive chemical through these. Why don't you just print the valves? Let's adjust the cat a little bit uh, and, and forget going overseas and, and bring it back to the United States. And so we've helped them save millions of dollars. Uh, and this is, this is just the start with that relationship. So there's a lot to come. There's a lot to come. I can imagine. And you can see I'm showing here uh, your um, Bionic Pets page. So, okay, you, how long let's, – let's get into this particular example here of this um, dog with the, with the front leg. Um, let's start with what is, what's the cost of something like that for, for a consumer to buy for their pet? What are they looking at? They're looking at about $1,700 for one of these devices. And, okay. Um, I can go into a little bit more on the material and the process if you'd like. Yeah, I guess my first thought is, is uh, are there alternatives or is this their only option if they want to put a leg on the dog? There, that's a good question. Yes, um, there are alternatives. There's two other companies in the world that produce these on a regular basis, but they use very traditional uh, orthotic and prosthetic methods, thermoforming plastic over a plaster of Paris mold. Um, and there's almost no flexibility in terms of adjustments, etc. cetera. Um, our devices are made out of a TPU, which is not only waterproof, uh, obviously with the holes that we have, it's breathable. And we've designed it so that it's flexible in specific areas where the body moves the most versus where we need rigidity, like where the, where the leg mounts. And so um, a lot of time and a lot of prototypes have gone into this, but we've really optimized, I think, at this point. And even the, the feet now are shock absorbing. We're using a special TPU material uh, that has ex ex excellent grip. Um, and that's what we use at the base. Uh, so they don't go sliding on hardwood floors. Mm. Okay. And does, does the printing application, does that bring the price down for consumers or does, or is it raise the price? It's, I guess um, it brings it down. It, it doesn't actually bring it down. It's about the same, but it, it's the quality of the product that has gone up significantly. And that's why the price has not come down. Okay. Um, so at this point, if you had to choose from buying this one versus a thermoplastic one and they're about the same price, why not go with the latter? Um, exactly. So that's really how we're, we're trying to target the market here. Yeah, um, you're getting a but better But there's no other product. device on the market like this. Right. Yeah. And what's the lifespan of that particular prosthetic? Like in this case, is that only going to work on that dog? You know, the dog's going to pass away. Does does the object become reusable? Every device is specific to every animal. It does not fit any other animal except for yours. Um, we work off of a mold or a scan of your dog uh, and therefore it is specific to them. Um, we've, we've been doing these for about two years now and we've had a dog wearing it. Uh, the, actually, the dog you see, the reason we have the video up is because she's been the longest wearer. It's been about um, just shy of two years. I think at the end of this year, it'll be two years because we did that towards January of 2019, 2018, whatever it was. And how long is that, is that 
um, that particular piece expected to last? Is it, is we it like expect it to last quite a few years. Um, Eve is eight, I believe, and we expect it to uh, outlive her. Okay. That's our goal. Um, but we stand behind our products. So anytime anyone needs adjustments or help with uh, fixing something, we're there for them. Okay. Um, and then is the pre is the material recyclable once it's not able to be used T anymore? TPU is recyclable. Uh, finding somebody who will recycle it is extremely difficult. Um, mm -hmm. The most recycled 3D printed material right now is PETG, um, but even the guys who do that struggle with TPU. Um, we do hang on to it. We have a ton of it here in our studio just because we, uh, I don't know, it doesn't feel right to just chuck something you know has potential. If that can eventually turn into some type of harness again in one day, uh, someday, or these turn into something that you sell that helps cover the cost for somebody who maybe doesn't have the funds for the entire device. I think that's really where our heads are at. Well, this is pretty neat, man. Um, congratulations on your breakthroughs and doing something it. great for great for mankind. Um, my next question on your next time it comes to me, what's your carbon footprint? But I'm, I'm saying that in jest because we're starting to take a shift of, uh, kind of shifting a lot of our focus on the show to, uh, climate, you know, climate impact, carbon impact and all that. So I, it's going to become standard for man, for industrial and manufacturing companies to know their carbon footprint. And we're going to have a token system eventually that becomes like a currency. Are you anticipating that in, for your company? Wow, that's that's incredible to think about. Um, we've definitely talked about it in the past, but giving it that much thought as far as a token goes, I, I think is pretty incredible. Um, what I can tell you regarding the prosthetics is that we have greatly reduced the carbon footprint, and I'll tell you why. Um, the traditional way of building these required an immense amount of um, plaster of Paris material. Um, I think we're, the the final model comes out to be like. 60 pounds worth of material that can never get used again. It gets thrown away once they get the thermoform plastic wrapped over it. And that brings me to my second point. When you heat up that sheet, large sheet of plastic and you wrap it over that mold, you're trimming off a huge amount of that plastic that can't ever be used again. So not only are you throwing away that plaster, you're throwing away that additional plastic, you're throwing away a good amount of foam because the traditional way you have to line the entire device with foam padding Ours only has a small amount over where the, the leg mounts. So we've reduced the amount of material on these greatly. And we talk about additive manufacturing versus subtractive manufacturing. Well, that's right. So big difference there. Yeah. Lots to learn. And, you know, these are new considerations for businesses and business owners, especially in the manufacturing sector. Um, well, great. Alexander, hey, thanks for taking time to come up here and share this with us. Much appreciated. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. I appreciate it. All right, that's the first part of our Look Up segment. And here's a second part, my conversation with Eric Brown from Ask Auto, also on the MTC show back in late November. All right, and here is the man himself trying to make car shopping easy and fun. What's up, my friend? Welcome back to the show. Thanks. I'm trying to make everything fun. Not just car shopping. We need more fun in this world, huh? We good need fun. A lot more fun in this world. But car <laughs> shopping is a good way, a good place to start. Good place to start, yes. Eric, what makes you qualified to <laughs> innovate in the auto industry? And tell us. 
And it's a loaded question, folks. I, Boy, that I know is. what it is, but oh, I want Eric to tell us. What is when I see it, right? Uh, so I've got that going for me. Uh, you know, I, I think a little bit, this goes back to my, my history. You know, I, I owned a company before and founded that, um, co-founded that, you know, analyzed consumer experiences on the web for the automotive industry. Um, and it was really evident uh, fairly early on that, the path to purchase, the, the way consumers navigate the internet and not only for automotive, but pretty much everything, you, you know, is not nearly as efficient as it should be. And that, you know, we are, you know, we often miss the most important things, the most, the right content, the right product, the right solution, simply because we didn't click on the right link or do the right type of search. And so we'd see in that data consumers miss missing, um, out on opportunities to find the best car deal for themselves. Um, and then on the other side of the coin for the automotive dealer and uh, manufacturers, everybody in the space, there are a lot of inefficiencies in that too. You know, when the, when the consumer, uh, you know, uh, is clicking on things, it's costing money, but it's also, if they're not getting to a solution for themselves, then that investment is also being wasted. And that's just being translated into the price of the car. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, consumer pays for everything. Uh, that's in, yeah, involved from a cost standpoint. So, um, so it was just lo looking at the data, I guess, really that made me sort of go, "Aha! There's a there's there's a way to invert this, and instead of you know organizing, advertising, marketing around how do we get the consumer to the car, to navigate to the car, what if the consumer could just curate or just request the car to come to them? Uh, and so that you know, that's uh, essentially what we do now is the consumer simply ask auto. Uh, to find a vehicle and then you know we start making vehicle recommendations and they can accept them or decline them and if they find something they like they can open dialogue without personal identifiable information with the local dealer um, they schedule a test drive etc so just just let's remove the friction and a lot of the friction today on the internet is navigation and i'm going to reiterate what you shared because i think i think eric you see the granular you, you see the big picture, but you also see the granular problems. Mm -hmm. But an, an, the average consumer, I, you know, they're not looking at, at car shopping in the way that we are uh, from oh. the inside out. They're, mm -hmm. they're like looking, they're just this inundation of information. So what Eric's explaining is that Ask Auto will serve up ads for a local dealer. And, and you can interact with the ad. And it will respond to you effectively, the interface, to, to help you to help you uh, narrow down the car that's best suited for you based off of the inputs. And I'm sure you use other information that you know about the shopper as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know if I, you know, call them ads as much as their vehicle recommendations that, that we're responding to. The consumer is either, is either directly said, hey, you know, auto find me a honda accord you know for less than twenty five thousand, or they have um taken a quiz so we use a quiz for example that's based on um survey data from strategic vision that looks at all of the um uh prior ownership of the vehicle so in other words who owns this car who loves this car who doesn't love this car looks at the attributes of those consumers then we ask five quick questions of the consumer and we say Hey, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, you're just like Sally who loves her Toyota Prius. And so we're going to, we think there's a high degree of confidence that you'll love the Toyota Prius. 
um, it, it should you purchase it. And so we'll we'll rank actually 471 vehicles. Uh, the AI will go in there and you know produce 471 recommendations. We show the top three, uh, and then from there the consumer can say, hey, well that is right. I'm, I'm, or I didn't even know that car existed. I'm curious to learn more about it. Let me click here and ask Auto more questions about that vehicle. And um, and so so we're we're trying to curate the experience for the consumer so they don't have to visit. You know, according to Google, the average consumer visits 28 websites on their way to purchase a car. All of that's just data. It's just content sitting on websites. Why do I have to spend weeks bouncing around between websites when I could just ask a machine to find it and pull it all together for me? Yeah, I mean, that's such a, a magnificent use of technology. Like you said, there's so much info and yeah. Ask Auto is trying to bring the right info to it. Now, you said that the algorithm's gonna going to pull... 471 different vehicle products as a rule of thumb. It's only going to show you the first few, right. but there's why 471? Like why that's not, not 450? <laughs> because that's what, that's the number of uh, makes and models that we have survey data on. Uh, there's probably a few more makes and models than that, but that's pretty much the universe. Uh, and so, you know, the research team's job every, you know, every day is, you know, there's a new make and model. Let's go ask some consumers who own this car about their experience and let's learn something about them so we can find other consumers like them that would also love this car. It's, it sounds a, a little bit like crowdsourcing in the sense you're constantly analyzing and evaluating people's behaviors and choices. And so that algorithm's constantly getting updated and hopefully more accurate in theory. Yeah. In fact, we just uh, launched an update uh, last week uh, with the quiz um, to, to add uh, more accuracy to it. Um, you know, we're, and we're looking typically at, uh, you know, data about the consumers sort of attitudes toward purchase toward ownership and, and um, their uh, the zip code where they are, their age um, and, and, you know, just uh, what's important to them in a vehicle. Uh, and then we, we query all, we pull all that together and we say, who else answered this survey like that? Uh, and then reported loving the, the vehicle they purchased. What vehicle was that? And we even have the data in the background to, to, and we'll be exposing this soon actually as well. But we have the data of what are the top five things this the owners love about the Toyota Prius? What are the bottom five things they don't like? And why do they buy this car? And so we have literally millions of reviews essentially about these vehicles. So. So we're a little behind, folks, and I want to segue into our discussion. I have Paul Comfort coming on from the Transit Unplugged, Unplugged podcast, and Alex is going to join me and Eric here. But Eric, one, uh, let's let's get into the rewards. Let's just spend like a minute and a half here, yeah, because uh, that's what we kind of pitted it as the shop, car shopping that rewards you. How do the rewards work? Explain that. Yeah, so pretty much like Air Miles uh, through a partnership with Amazon. Um, essentially you earn uh, points for various actions you take, like answering the quiz. Um, in fact, every consumer who initially jumps on, uh, here shortly, we're going to be rewarding $10 to everybody who gets on Ask Auto. And then, um, you earn different rewards, um, as you take different events, maybe getting pre-qualified on a car or, or scheduling a test drive or referring a friend to Ask Auto, but that's building up an account that's redeemable then by a redemption event. So a redemption event would be, for example, going to test drive a vehicle or scheduling a sales call. 
uh, the consumer can actually say to the dealership, call me on Thursday at five. You know, they can we're putting consumer control of that. Or it could be uh, we have some partners like Car Shield and, and different insurance companies that will redeem that reward for you if you get a quote uh, on extended warranty or get a quote on car insurance. And so then that money's released to your Amazon account uh, if you take those actions. So a combination of earning and redemption, just like airline miles. You get airline miles and then you redeem them when you use points to get an airline ticket. And are, you, are the rewards limited to Amazon? So that's our default partner. We, we actually are working with several malls in the country where you could scan a QR code in the mall uh, and get earn mall rewards uh, in much the same way. So it can be any sort of reward structure. Um, and Amazon is uh, sort of the universally well-known brand at this moment and they have a technical infrastructure that's, uh, that's uh, very proficient uh, in, in uh, defining and, re- and rewarding the rewards or distributing rewards. Yeah, Amazon in so many ways has become like a, a, a center point for so many ideas and mm-hmm. implementations. Well, great. So, folks, you've seen Ask Auto on the site. If you frequent the site, you hear us uh, playing Ask Auto, uh, you know, in our podcast here on the show. Eric's been here a handful of times. We're working in partnership with Eric and Ask Auto uh, to help consumers you know, with their car shopping needs. So you can actually support what we do here by going to autoconverse.com forward slash ask auto that's otto it'll bring you to the page that you see here on my site what'll happen is if you activate your account or your shield using our link then we'll be able to help you on the back end with whatever you need whether it's selling your car trading your car or getting into a new one you'll also get your rewards as well and we'll be able to assist you in that process and you'll be supporting the podcast so uh again go to autoconverse.com forward slash ask auto for that And for our final segment, a look ahead, let me begin by just saying thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for sharing the podcast. We don't advertise the podcast. I'm serious. Uh, I publish the the podcast. They go out to Google Play. They go to Apple Music. I think they go to Spotify. We are looking to expand our reach, but... Listen to this. I don't really use social media at all. Uh, some of the episodes do get syndicated up to LinkedIn. I should say they don't get syndicated. I put them manually there. Uh, I used to syndicate them, but I didn't like the way they came out. So I placed them in there manually. But I don't necessarily do that for every podcast episode. To give you a glimpse into where I plan to take the podcast, Obviously, we're sticking with the mobility tech and connectivity theme, how we are connected and the way we get around. And the reason I stick with that is because it gives us a broad appeal, gives us a broad spectrum of the type of information that we can go after, but we still keep it extremely pertinent and relevant to you and what you're doing. So, you know, auto tech, as far as autonomous driving features and and with you know coming out in cars and electrification of cars you know we talk about things like charging i don't get into say mineral mining and and the engineering aspect so much but we definitely get into things like charging infrastructure and comparing batteries things like that things that are relevant to buying buying and owning 
not just a vehicle, but getting around. And that includes public transportation, which is why we had Paul Comfort on last month talking about the public transit benefits of the new infrastructure bill. Privacy, we're going to continue to focus on. That's become such an important issue. You know, how companies like social media, big tech, big media, big pharma now, you know, how they're using this aggregated, anonymized data and information about us. And one thing I don't know how much people realize is that you have so much control over who has access to <laughs> who has access to your data. I shouldn't say you have control. You have control of where you allow your data to be. I don't think it's feasible to be completely off the grid. That's not feasible, and that sh- I don't necessarily condone that as a as a life goal. But we but we have a responsibility on who we give our information to. I deleted, to give you an idea, and I'll get more into where we're taking the podcast as well, but I deleted all social media off of my iPhone last year. I think it was either December of 2020 or January of 2021. I deleted Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Um, I feel like there were others. Oh, Twitter. I deleted Twitter. I just deleted them off my phone. I hadn't been using those social media sites a whole lot that whole, you know, during the year 2020. I did a little, but not a lot to the point where I deleted them from my phone, not deleted my accounts, but deleted them from my phone. Why? So that these entities no longer had all the tracking of my location and my and my activity online as it pertained to my phone. Now, I did log out of those accounts and didn't use them on my computer either. So I really kind of pulled myself off of that that matrix, if you will. Well, guess what? Just last month, I actually deleted those accounts. I deleted Facebook account, my Instagram account. And that was a big step because you're letting go of some, some access to some people. But let me tell you this. I... The, I haven't lost too many friends. I'm still in great touch with so many people. So point is, focusing on your privacy is a is an important subject matter here on the podcast, and we're going to stay committed to that. Now, you've heard me talk about uh, expanding and getting more involved with blockchain and crypto uh, technologies, and that is absolutely going to become a mainstay here on the show. In fact, if you are any sort of developer or investor, uh, uh, or engineer of any sort in blockchain and you dabble in that space, reach out to me and let me know. We'd love to have you up here on the show, in the podcast, and part of the experience. And a few other areas we're going to continue to focus on that you heard us, you know, saw us tap into in 2020 would be things like energy and sustainability. Uh, I, mostly as it pertains to how we're connected and the way we get around. We do kind of keep that theme and focus. And aerospace is a big part of all this too. You've got you've got Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos's company from Amazon. You've got SpaceX as an example. Um there there's little companies coming out too, but you know things like Starlink, which is te- uh, e- you know Elon Musk's uh you know a, a satellite internet satellite technology. So internet of things it fits on top of that all and how we're connected and the way we get around. That's where we're headed. And you're a part of that. And we really appreciate that. And we're really glad to have you be part of this journey with us. Okay. So there you go. A look back, a look up and a look ahead. Annual tradition and shouts out to my good friend, Rob Holman for 
introducing me to that tradition several years ago. Remember, text the keyword AutoConverse to 855-766-7585 to get opted into our VIP SMS or text messaging group. We'll send you a link to get subscribed to our YouTube channel, and that way you can tune in to the live shows, and we'll even let you know um, about the live shows. We only do them once a month, but the way we do them, they're becoming a great experience, and as you can see, we can we end up making multiple podcast episodes from just that one show every month. All right, I am out of here. If you are a Doge holder, well, I got to say, man, to the moon, because I got a feeling things are about to go back on the up and up in crypto land. So if you've been holding out on selling or buying, now might be a good time to get right back in. But hey, full disclaimer, that is not financial advice. That's just me making an observation. Catch you next week. This is Audiburst Media.